listener, thanks so much for tuning in to Sit Still with Sierra. I'm your host, Sierra Lyons. This podcast is not only dedicated to helping listeners become more self-aware, introspective versions of themselves, it's also a space for us to have unconventional conversations not often had in traditional church spaces. I hope you're sitting still and ready for a topic of conversation. I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. and welcome to Sit Still with Sierra or welcome back if you have already been listening. I am super excited. I've been thinking about this guest um, all week um, and we have a really great conversation coming up. If you missed last episode with Melissa Murphy, um, feel free to go back and listen to that. It was a really, really great conversation and I'm excited to keep the conversation going. So we are going to just jump right in and I'm going to introduce our guest, which is Vakari Dickerson. She's beauty. She's grace. Are you there, Vakari? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for that introduction, Sierra. Um, just as you mentioned, my name is Vakari Dickerson. It's VakariDickerson.com. Um, basically, my blog is to help you motivated and equip you to live your most unapologetic life. Um, boldly and confidently. Um, I also lead a ministry called Vice Vision War, and it is a ministry dedicated to equipping women who are married or soon to be married with the tools to fight against the enemy and win. Um, there's a lot of trials when it comes to marriage, and I think sometimes when we actually get married, we're often forgot about in the church. Um, and so I wanted to create a safe space for women to know that no matter where they are in the world, they have support and assistance. So. That's awesome. And that's a much needed um, group, like you just mentioned, much needed. And I know that you've led, um, you've led single women and now you have this group for married women. So it's really awesome to hear. Um, And it's nice to have those support groups for all different phases of life. Um, Because as you just mentioned, sometimes once we move on to a different stage, sometimes we get forgotten or things just get overlooked. So that's super important. And we will definitely talk about wives waging more war some more in a minute and we will definitely plug it at the end of the podcast um, so that the listeners can check it out and for those that fall under that category hopefully they can get plugged in there as well so we are on opposite sides of the world right now we are um, i'm in america she is in south korea and we're going to talk about that some more too but i like to do an icebreaker question with my guest and since you are on the other side of the world i thought i would ask you what destination is at the top of your travel bucket list like if you had to pick one okay so if i had to pick one um, this is hard for me because prior to marriage i probably would have said a country in africa but i was able to go twice before getting married so um at this point i think i want to tour more of asia um it surprised me pleasantly um what's all out here in the culture and the experience that's experiences that we've had so far in Korea. So I'm very excited for the opportunity to maybe get to experience Japan or the Philippines, um, but definitely over here in the APAC for sure. So cool. Um, I'm adding in this question, even though it wasn't pre-planned, but um, what are some staple things that you like to do when you travel? Like, are there any things that you must see or must do, or are you kind of like a go with the flow type of person? Um, I would say I'm a little combination of both. I am anti-tourist, so <laughs> I try to do all the things that non like that are non-touristy. So I don't want to go to the places where all the tourists are. I want to actually go into the actual heart of a city or the heart of a country. So while we've been here in Korea, we do not live on base. Um, and that was a decision that me and my husband made together because we did not want to come over here and not really experience it. Um, Sometimes when you live on the military base, it can be a little bit restrictive or you can find yourself not wanting to explore as much because they have so much America on the base. And so we actually live in a city called Asan, which is about 15 to 20 minutes away from the base. So we're in like the heart of Korea a little bit. And so... Um, it's fun to be able to interact and, tr- and break through cultural barriers. Like there pretty much is no English speakers around us. So we have to figure it out. But I think that's the fun part about traveling and exploring is not allowing your where you come from to limit you from experiencing somebody else's culture. It's beautiful. And I agree, too. I would say I'm a combination of both, but I do want to like blend in with the locals. Like I want to see and experience yeah. what they see and experience on a day to day basis. So that's really awesome. Um, 
So before we jump back in and talking about your time in South Korea, I, I want to go back to why I was waging war for a second. Um, and you kind of already talked about why you felt led to creating it. But can you tell me what the community is like within that group and just how it's how long have you been doing it for one and how it's blessed you over this time period? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started uh, Wives Waging War, it actually was called Wives Who War. So there was a name change um, because at first I was just targeting military. But then I realized that um, there aren't just military wives who needed this support. Um, if anybody has been a part of a military family, you know that transitioning frequently can be very hard, um, not just on children, because I was a military child as well, but just for the wives. And I didn't know that until I actually got married because being a military child versus being an actual military wife is two different experiences. And um, it has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things that I can now go back and look at my mom's experience and say, oh, this is why she maybe did this or this is why she maybe, you know, did that. And in speaking with a lot of wives, it was a question of, well, can I join even though I'm not a military wife? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, you do not have to be a military wife to go through the similar challenges. I believe that any type of um, wife who has a husband who has a job that is outside of the home, you're going to experience the loneliness, you're going to experience the um, transitional challenges, you're going to experience, you know, difficulties as you go from you know, maybe being single and not even knowing that marriage was an option for you to now being the first one in your family that's married. And so you need that kind of support. So with our community, we have women from all over the world. I am actually not the only international member, so I'm excited about that. Um, we have some other members that are also in Japan. We have members that are in the U.S. We have some uh, members that are in the Caribbean. And so that just lets me know that there there is a need. Um, we are small, but we are mighty. And that is something that I'm also learning to appreciate is that, you know, when you think about ministry, you think about groups, oftentimes people are like, oh, well, you know, this group has thousands of people. They're probably doing something great. But sometimes you can get lost in the numbers. And I think that is a big part of why our group is so important is it creates that intimacy. So um, in addition to us meeting and reading through the word together and encouraging one another, we also have what we call battle buddies, which is something that I started this year. We've been in... Um, We've been in ministry for about a year now, but I've started introducing more things as more women are becoming more open. And so with Battle Buddies, it's essentially mirrored after Battle Buddies in the Army. So I asked my husband all about it, like, so how does Battle Buddy like really work? You know, you hear the term, but what does that mean? And it's basically a soldier who's paired from you from the beginning of wartime, who does not leave your side most of the time, even after war, like you are pretty much stuck together for life. And I wanted to create that. Um, dynamic similar to how David and Jonathan were but in female form and with wives there are women like myself who we're gonna move every year and a half to three years you know our husbands are in careers that are dangerous and could potentially you know lose our life we have never been mothers before we've never been wives before we have a lot of questions or we are you know wives for a while but our husbands are in career where they face temptation you know these are real life things and we just want that support so battle buddies have been introduced this year and i'm hoping that it creates an opportunity for women to know that i could live here and you can live here but you always have somebody praying for you you always have somebody going to war for you and your family you know you always have somebody that you can call or text or email just to give you an encouragement so we're all about prayer, intercession, community, encouragement, and in general, just making sure that the role of the wife does not limit you or who you think that you are in God. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And I like that you mentioned that you guys are small but mighty. Like I instantly thought of Gideon's army. Um, and I think it's really powerful what you're doing in um, the community you can build like you mentioned, there's people on different continents, there's people all over. Um, so it sounds very powerful. And again, I encourage listeners that fall into that category um, to check out her work. And again, we'll plug her Instagram and different social media pages at the end of the episode. But it's excellent hearing what you're doing. And I, of course, support wholeheartedly and and pray for the best for your group and pray that you guys continue to wage war. Um, so that's awesome. So let's go back to South Korea for a second. Um, 
Yeah. Now you're obviously stationed there, like you said, because your husband is stationed there and that's where you guys are currently. Um, tell me, this may be difficult to narrow it down to one, but can you tell me the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself in this season of being there? Yes. Um, that I really am capable of doing a lot more than I give myself credit for. Um, I have struggled with, what do they call it? Um imposter syndrome and I have also struggled with false humility false humility which is pretty much downplaying my gifts and my talents um and not really just walking into who God has called me to be and uh transitioning from being what I call myself like a super single somebody who you know was fine with being single content with being single felt like I was handling that very well into getting married um, was definitely a challenge for me and I didn't realize that it was going to be as much of a challenge as it presented itself but um, being over here I have essentially no church support in terms of physical building I do not have like members that are near dear to me um, I do not have friends or family here that I can just call on at any point. And so it's forced me to really tap into the strength that I know that I have in Christ and to also, you know, not be afraid to do those things that I may have hesitated to do before just because, oh, well, I don't want to come across as this or I don't want, you know, people to think that I'm that. And it's just kind of like, look, I'm over here. I'm by myself. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I have the time. I have the resources. You know, I'm not doing anything else. Why not? And um, it took a little while for me to get there because, um, it, like I mentioned, it was challenging to transition, not just into marriage, but so quickly into another nation and not realizing how close I was to my friends and close to I was to my family. But um, I, as much as I love every one of you all, um, I am able to stand on my own because of Christ. I was not, I wasn't who I was because of my friends or my family. I was who I was because of Christ. And just because they're not around me doesn't make me any less able to be used by him or powerful. And so that is something that I definitely have learned in this year is just overcoming that imposter syndrome and just making sure I'm not walking in false humility that if God has called me to do something, I can do it and I'm capable and um, I'm going to make sure that I do it with him in mind. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I um, can uh, I can identify with what you're saying with imposter syndrome and false humility. My sister yells at me a lot about the whole false, false humility thing. Um, but yeah, I like when I think of you, for those who don't know me and Bacardi's relationship, we went to church together. That's how we met each other. And she was the leader of the women's single ministry group um, at the church at the time. And so that's how we are connected. Um, And it's kind of funny because in the previous episode, me and Melissa talked about single ministries and talking about some of the pros and cons um, within churches. And she was basically saying what you always said, which is like, we're not going to hyper fixate on singleness, we're going to pursue Christ. And along the way, those things will be added. So it was really refreshing talking to her and it made me think of you and for you to be the next guest on was really special. But yeah, I can definitely identify with the imposter syndrome and the false humility, but it's always easier to look at someone else and see all the potential in them. And then when it's you, it's hard to do that. But like, yeah, when I, when I think of you, I'm like, oh yeah, Vakari is, she's that girl. Like, She's got it going on. So, um, yeah, I, I can, I, I can attest to what you're saying. Now, you were a military child, like you said, um, but when you got married, or right before you got married, right before everything kind of happened with you meeting your husband, were you always open to the possibility of having to relocate somewhere because of your marriage? That is a trick question. Because I, I was, I. Mm, I was open to it, (laughs) but in my way, I'm on my terms. And what I mean by that is I did not want to marry anybody in the military. I will be 100% honest. Um, Anybody who knows me, I was never the type to have like a list like, oh, he had to be this, he had to be that. It was just my list consisted of as long as he's not military, I don't care what he does, Lord. He could be president, firefighter, janitor. It doesn't matter to me. I just do not want to marry a military man. So, um, when my husband came into the picture, I almost 
did not marry him because as soon as he was like, yeah, I'm in the army, it was almost like he tuned, tuned out. I, nothing else that he had to say. So um, I always dreamed of wanting to live in another country, but in my mind, in my limited thinking, putting a ceiling on what God could do, I thought it was going to be me being a missionary. Um, because prior to meeting my husband, that's what I was doing. I was going to various countries serving God. And I was actually in preparation to sell all of my things and move to Africa and just go through about four or five countries and just serve the Lord. And I was perfectly excited and happy and willing to do that. And, you know, um, I had a reality check one time I was watching a video and I think I've shared this a few times on my social media where a young woman was just speaking upon uh, how we as believers are so quick to want to die for Christ. We're so quick to want to sell all of our things and live for Christ. We're so quick to, you know, say that we'll stay single for God forever. But when he calls us to marriage, when he calls us to uh, live at home when he calls us to you know do the things that are ordinary we have such a hard time with it because we don't feel like it's as significant or as important and so I had to reevaluate that mindset and thought process when my husband came around because it it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like and I did end up <laughs> living in another country um, but it just wasn't the way that I thought it would happen so prior to meeting him it, I did want to live somewhere else. I did not want to stay where we are from. Um, see, I don't know if I'm allowed to share, but <laughs> I felt like I was a big city girl trapped in a small town and I just did not want to live there. Don't get me wrong, love my family, love my friends there, but I just did not want to become one of those people who end up moving back there and just stay there for the rest of their lives. And... Um, but I also didn't never thought that it would come at the hands of marriage. I always thought God would either send me a job or send me on assignment. And that would be the way that I got out. Um, so when the idea of marriage came along and the possibility of me marrying somebody in a career space that I was just so like, I do not want to live that life. I saw what my mom went through. I saw my dad. Da, da, da. It just, mm -mm. but now looking back, I can totally see what God was trying to do. And um, it definitely has worked out for my good because I live in a country that I never thought that I would ever, ever have gotten the experience to um, be a part of. And it has changed my mind in terms of my aspect of not just limiting myself on specific areas. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're actually foreshadowing our topic of discussion because you mentioned like what you had in mind versus what God actually had planned. And that's foreshadowing our topic listeners I'm sure you've already read the title of this episode or the description. You can see we're talking about finding your mate outside of the four walls of church. And that is that can be countercultural to what church often tells us as far as finding your mate um, or having these set plans. But it's so interesting to hear that what you thought was going to be um, your your career of traveling and missionary work, you are traveling and you are you are doing missionary work. It's just not in the way that you thought. So... I need to stop telling God what I don't want to do before he ends up being like, this is exactly <laughs> what you're about to do. <laughs> but we are going to dive into the topic of discussion right after this quick break. Keep listening. You are listening to Sit Still with Sierra. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. Before we jump back into our conversation, did you know we're on Instagram and Facebook? Follow us on Facebook at Sit Still with Sierra and request access to our private Facebook group, Sit Still with Sierra. These are spaces where we keep the party going and have great dialogue. Now let's get back into the episode. All right, we're back listeners, and we are ready to dive into this topic of finding your mate outside the four walls of a church. Some of you, this may be pretty normal for you. Maybe you didn't grow up um, in church or hearing this rhetoric of, the demand of needing to find your spouse inside of the church. And maybe for some of you that are listening, this is all you've heard growing up. So whatever category you fall into, um, we really want to just dive deep on the topic and, and share our own perspectives. And hopefully you take away with a new point of view and you don't feel like you're so boxed in. Because I feel like that can often 
be one of the limitations within church is that we have these binaries of you either have to do it this way or that way and we don't really leave room for God to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it. So Vakari, let me ask you this. In your experience, have you ever heard harmful rhetoric within the church in regards to where and how you can find your spouse? Um, yes, and actually in my experience of finding my spouse outside of the church, I experienced uh a lot of disconnect that I thought wouldn't have happened. Uh, so I'll expand upon that just a little bit. But basically, um, <laughs> just speaking a little bit into your previous topics of unchurch hurt, you know, with us both coming from the same uh, church, it was a very interesting dynamic during the time that I was there. Um, I feel like I came a little bit later than um, a lot of the congregants, but I did experience my share of maybe resistance just to me as a person. And I always had a feeling, just an inkling that I would never find my church, uh, my husband in that church. Like I just, <laughs> um, if you are just familiar with that church, one, there was a lack of male representation there within our age group. Um, two, the men that were there, no, no harm or anything towards them, but it there, I just did not see it happening for me. And so always knew that if I were to find him, he either would not be a part of that church, or if he were to come, it would be like he was brand new to the church. Like it, he wouldn't have no type of relationship. And so, however, there was a narrative there that your mate has to be at that church. Like they have to be a part of that ministry. They have to go there. We have to vet him out. Like it was very heavy on the, if he not here, that's not it. And I didn't necessarily agree with that, especially in speaking to um, those who I consider to be wise voices at the time that I had a relationship with who had did not meet their spouses at that church. Or if they did meet their spouse at that church, it was in an untraditional way in the sense of not them being paired with somebody or being told, I think this person may be good for you. Um, I've always naturally been my own person, meaning having my own mind. And so I only have one earthly mother and one earthly father and they're still living. And what I mean by that is you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do if my parents are still alive. Like, <laughs> So <laughs> for me, um, the, the idea of being matched or having a matchmaker in church just made me feel kind of uncomfortable. I had one experience where that happened and I felt really tried. I felt like you do y'all not know who I am like why would y'all think like I yeah, I don't know but <laughs> so after that it was just kind of like yeah I don't need y'all to tell me like I mean I I love you all but no thank you um I would rather stay single from the rest of my life than to be involved and so um I think it, it I think it can be harmful uh, because with some, not all of them, but with some, I know the intentions were, wow, you're a great woman of God. And we know that you're going to make somebody a great wife one day. And we just want to see that happen. And I can understand that. I can understand being on the opposite end of, you know, being a friend and celebrating the idea of them, get, you know, dating and, you know, having the options of dating and being like, oh, you know, I hope this is the one because I'm excited for you. But then on the flip side of that, if it doesn't work out or if that person isn't their person, then it's almost, you know, mm, well, we'll just have to wait. It's almost kind of like a turning of the nose type situation. And so, yeah, during that time, it was definitely difficult, I would say. And it led, that's what really pushed me to start that singles ministry at the time because I just felt like there was just this, like you mentioned, hyperfixation on singleness. And how soon can we find you somebody to get married versus do you know how fun being single is? Like, I, I know, like, you know, people want to get married and everything. But at my time, 
I was enjoying myself. I was living my best life. Like I mentioned, I was, I had gone to Africa twice. Um, I had speaking engagements that were out of the state. I was traveling to visit friends in other states. And what I mean by that is I had met people along the way. And so I was pretty much becoming a solo traveler and just wanting to share with other young women, like, you don't have to wait around, you know, just for some guy to come along and say, yeah, let's get married. Enjoy your time while you have God to yourself, because when you get married, it's not going to be like this. And so I think, you know, just that hyper fixation on you can't be single and, you know, you got to you got to date, you got to find somebody. And if you don't find somebody in this church, it's probably not going to work out. You got to stay here because if you leave here, you know, your life's going to fall apart. No, that's that no. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, like you said, we were at the same church, so I can attest to a lot of the things that you're saying. Um, and not just that church specifically, but just this church culture, um, at least yeah. American church culture. I can't speak to what churches are like in other parts of the world, but I would say American Bible Belt South culture, um, a lot of times it's <laughs> this fixation on, well, here, let's put all the single people in one room for two Wednesdays out of the month and have them awkwardly mingle and just have them all paired up. And it doesn't leave any room for God to introduce them to someone at their job or in the grocery store or walking down the street. Um, And so it just, it really takes God out of the equation to put it very bluntly. Um, There's really no way to, to say it any other way. Like I, it's just taking him out of the equation and then asking him to bless it and you're just leaving him as a second an afterthought whether rather than him being truly at the center and seeking him first and foremost in everything you do and i think that that's one of my favorite scriptures matthew 6 33 um you know seek his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added and i feel like that is just something that we say and don't really believe when it comes to singleness And I'm not saying that being single is easy 100% of the time. I'm clearly not saying that. I'm currently single. I have my struggles. Um, And I'm not saying that, oh, if you just sit in your house 24-7, God will just magnetically draw you to your mate somehow from your bedroom. That's also not what I'm saying. But there is a middle ground that I feel we aren't covering when it comes to church church people and how we view going about finding a mate or how we go about enjoying your single season. I sometimes feel like, like you just mentioned before, there there is no enjoyment. Like It's like they don't even want you to enjoy the season of you being single. And it's like, this is an opportunity to really be selfish, do what you want to do, go where you want to go, meet people, fill in the blank, A to Z. Um, And so it it shouldn't be this miserable time period and neither should marriage, of course, but it's like singleness shouldn't be looked at as you're an outcast and this is a season that you should dread and you're just waiting to get to the next stage of life. And so reframing that in your brain is something that I encourage anyone listening to do. If you have been conditioned to believe that you just need to get from your point A of singleness to hurry up and get married, please enjoy your time. I don't know how long you're going to be single. I don't even know who's listening. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be single. But what I do know is that For me personally, I know that I'm going to be married, so I know that this season is temporary. So I'm going to enjoy this temporary season, and I'm not going to wish away parts of my life to get to another point. That's what I want people to take away. If you don't take away anything else that Vakari or myself have said, it's to enjoy the season that you're in and stop rushing through it. Um, And that is unfortunately something that we hear a lot in the church. Now, you, you didn't meet your husband in the church Please tell the listeners where you met your husband and tell me about that experience because I just love to hear the story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So just as Sierra hinted to, I did not meet my husband in the church. I met him in a place I never would have thought that I would have met my husband. I actually met him in the airport, uh, Hartsville, Jackson, Atlanta International to be exact. Um, we met when I was actually on my way to my second missions trip, which was to South Africa. Um, so just to make a long story short, we were walking. It was myself, uh, my um, previous first lady at the time and my best friend at the time. And we were looking for food, I think. We were looking for food. So we were just kind of gate hopping. And uh, I saw him sitting there 
But I couldn't put name to face. And I'm one of those type of people, if I don't know your name right away, I'm not saying anything to you. Now, I may backtrack and be like, oh, I remember who that was now. But I will not just come up to you if I do not remember your name. And so I kind of thought nothing of it, kept walking. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, turn around. And literally when I turned around, he looked up from his phone and said, oh, hey, how's it going? Da, 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 da. And like ran over and hugged me. And so I was like, okay, so he does know me, but where do I know him from? So um, at that time, as I was mentioning, I was doing a lot of traveling. So people were following me because of my singleness and the things that I was doing as a single. And so I maybe felt like, oh, okay, so people have seen me in the airport. Maybe he follows me on Facebook or Instagram and but Lord, I don't even know where to begin. I have thousands of followers on both. So um, can I get something? And I really felt like when I asked God, because that's literally what I do. If I don't know a thing, God, can you tell me what this is? So I asked him what his name was. And I felt like he told me it started with a D. So I went through the D list on my Facebook and there it was, Derek. And so I sent him a message and I was like, hey, sorry, I was being a little awkward. Kind of didn't know you were at first, but it was nice seeing you. <laughs> nice seeing you. Um, but we did not talk right away. So um, during my time while we were in South Africa, so that was about September to October, um, I'm very one track minded when it comes to crowd. So when I was there, I was there. We don't have nothing to talk about. It's me and Jesus. I'm in South Africa. I never thought I'd be here. There are antelope walking across my window in the morning. Like, I'm having a whole experience right now. So I will get back to you if there's anything to get back to you when I get back to the States. <laughs> and I feel bad looking back on it now because I was so... I was very short with him. Let's just, uh, let's just say that. And then when he told me where he was going, he was going back to his duty station because he was in the army. That really just was kind of like the the end of it for me. Um, so we didn't really talk a lot. And by the end of my time at South, uh, in South Africa on our way back, I didn't hear anything from him. So I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was like, okay, yeah, I crossed paths with somebody um, and all is well. So that following January, I actually liked one of his pictures and so he took that as an invitation to come back in my inbox and he <laughs> and so he kind of pretty much picked up where we left off how was south africa things of that nature um and from there you know we started doing a long distance relationship and now we are married but yes we met in the airport officially and come to find out during that time of us speaking we actually went to college together at the same time but I did not know him. So he was a year ahead of me and we had a very similar friend group. So he's naming off people that I know, but I'm like, how come I never knew you? And he knew of me, but never said anything to me. So I don't know, but yeah, God probably kept, God probably kept me blind to him for a reason because if he met me in college, we probably wouldn't have been here today. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. And see how... Just so much foreshadowing, you guys. Me in the airport, you guys are traveling now together. It's a whole thing. Um, and I didn't know that you guys went, I didn't know he went to FAMI, right? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay, I had no clue. Look at us, all Rattlers. Here we go, here we go, okay. <laughs> so that's awesome. Right. And you weren't, obviously, you, you were at the airport, like you said, you kind of have like tunnel vision when you're doing something. You're thinking about getting to where you're going. You're thinking about doing missionary work. You weren't you know, they're like looking out and seeing, oh, who can I maybe pick right, up in the airport? Right. But I think that it's also really cool that you guys were on the same campus going to school and God's timing was God's timing. Like, yeah, sure, you guys could have crossed paths, like you said, because you guys had similar friend group and you guys could have met in college, but everything worked out in the way that it was supposed to in God's timing. So I think that's that was the most special part to me that's like just so awesome how it all correlated um and how things just it's i don't believe in coincidences i believe that there's divine appointment for everything so that's really really special to hear um and it's really nice to hear like you mentioned before in the previous question that i asked you there was kind of um there were feelings towards um you and the way that you met your now husband um and you sort of answered my next question in the last one but um, did you ever, with feeling that pressure of church people being like, oh, you have to meet your mate in the church, 
how did you overcome those those voices as you and your now husband were dating at the time? Um, a big part of it was not involving everybody in our process. Um, I think oftentimes, just out of excitement, you want you tend to overshare. And I've always naturally been a private, not secret person. And what that means is I'm very selective about what what I talk about and to who I talk about it with. And I have very key people that I hold myself accountable to. Um, at that time, because I was leading a singles ministry, I did let them know. Not because I wanted to brag or throw it in their face, but I felt it was important for them to see somebody who they th- I knew that they were looking up to, in a sense, at the time, navigate this season and how is it going to turn out. Whether we ended up getting married or not, I wanted them to know it's absolutely possible for you to meet somebody outside the church and these are the way that we're navigating through this as well as not engaging in things that other people may be doing in order to think that they need to to get a spouse. So that was one. Uh two, I only told <laughs> I only told one person in leadership at that church. Um because that was the only person that I had a true relationship with. She made it a point to make a relationship with me and I trusted her wisdom because she wasn't the type of leader to tell me what to do she was the type of leader to direct me back to the word and um I knew that I can trust her with that information and then um I did of course have a few other people that I were I was accountable to as well as he and what I mean by that is even though I'm no longer affiliated with that organization um I knew that those individuals would have my best interests at heart and they knew me and um, a few of them also were military. And though I had my parents, it was not necessarily the best example of what a successful military relationship and marriage could be. And so I needed I needed that support because it wasn't something that I wanted, but I knew that this could possibly be what God wanted for me. And so I needed to make sure that I put myself in the best position to stand up against the enemy no matter how much he tried to tell me oh well this isn't going to work out remember what happened with your mom you know are you sure you really want to be a wife do you even think that you know this is for you and you know just making sure that um our relationship stayed protected and so i i think that a big 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 even though you shouldn't have to do that <laughs> um where you attend is making sure that everybody is not involved because if you have too many voices in your ear it can drown out the voice of God number 1 and number 2 you find yourself in a position of people pleasing where you're wanting to do what you think will make them happy versus what will make God happy and i did not I I saw relationships that were put together by man versus relationships that were put together by God. And I did not want the relationship that was put together by man. So no matter how great he was, no matter how, oh, we think you guys would be da 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 I didn't want, I didn't need that. I don't need you to encourage me um, not to come off prideful or conceited, but if I wanted to be with any man, I'm pretty sure that I could have. I could have just gone out and gotten anybody, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted a man who I knew that I could have a lifetime of marriage with, a till death marriage experience. So um, in order to create an atmosphere for that to happen, I couldn't have everybody involved. For sure. That is actually something I keep going back to the previous episode, but they're so parallel um, in the topics. And so that is actually something that Melissa also said was, you know, she had her two trusted leaders. Those are the people that she spoke with. And she didn't feel a sort of guilt about not making it publicly known to the entire, you know, ministry or the entire congregation that she was in a relationship. And that's what you have to do. And something that you said that really stuck out to me is that one, you have to have God's voice at the forefront of it all. And not only that, but you as a grown woman, as a follower of Christ, have to trust the voice within yourself. You know yourself. You know what God is calling you to do, and you know what you want out of life. And so sometimes just because we 
attend a church together and it, maybe we have had vulnerable moments together. That's not to say that a person ha- knows what's best for you more than yourself or more than God. So I think that is another really crucial takeaway that I hope you listeners are are getting is that we're not saying just shut off every discipleship leader you have, but to really do an evaluation of the leaders that you do have in your life um, and how are they leading you. Like you mentioned, the one leader that you shared this with, she wasn't telling you what to do. She was just directing you back to the word of God. So that's a that's a question that you all can ask yourselves as you're like mentally evaluating who you have in your life. Are they just telling you what to do um, or are they directing you back to the word of God and trusting the God inside of you to make wise decisions as well? Now, a 2019 study from Stanford sociologist Michael Rosenfield found that 39% of heterosexual couples reported meeting their partner online. So dating apps and social media are, you know, relatively new to our world. And I've met some Christians that are strongly against it. I've met some that are strongly for it. And then there's some that are just like, I don't really know. Um, I'm not, I would say that I'm for it, but I would say that there is definitely a hookup culture that comes with dating apps. And so, because that's not what I want out of it, it can feel a little tricky, but what are your personal thoughts, Vicari, on dating apps? And do you think that there's a binary stance on whether Christians should use it or not? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just to throw a little, uh, transparency out there, when I first moved back home, my mother actually suggested that I go on a dating app. So I told her I would give it three dates. And that's literally what I did. I went on three dates with three different guys and none of them worked out. Um, I believe that there is an opportunity if you are somebody who um, is led by God to do it. And what I mean by that is you never probably would have considered it before but something has drawn you to do it and you, you know, you do it, but you don't go searching. And, and I say that because I have heard testimony from individuals who have joined dating sites and they were just led to create a profile. God told them what to put in their bios and how to answer the questions. They didn't go swiping through, picking and choosing. They just created the profile and they literally would have like, one or two messages from one or two specific people and it was like the one person that messaged them was the one person that they were called to be with and i believe that god can use anybody i mean i know we say this facetiously often but if god can speak through a donkey he could he could get you to get to the person that he wants you to by any means i do think that because we are all um created differently in terms of our personality types not everybody is going to be so forthcoming to want to meet somebody in person there are just some people who are naturally a little bit more reserved and i think that there is a space for god to create an opportunity for you to meet somebody in that way and because of the way that social media is and i believe that it's going you are more inclined to meet somebody online nowadays, whether it's a dating relationship or a friendship, then you may be bumping into them at the airport. So it, it, I, I do not see the limitation for God there. I don't write it off automatically, but I do think that you have to go into it, obviously, with wisdom. It has to be spirit led and do not create because you can essentially do the same thing that you do in the world online. And what I mean by that is you are looking at every single person that you meet. Like, is he the one? Is she the one? Is there, you know, every single time. So if you create this online profile, you're pretty much going to do the same thing. If you're that anxious to get married or that anxious to date somebody, are they the one? They swipe left. Is that for me? You don't want to become obsessive about it. God didn't, God did not create us to be obsessed over other people we should not be obsessed over marriage we should not be upset like because then we're creating an idol out of whatever we're trying to go after and you can create an idol out of marriage you can create an idol out of the dating experience you can create an idol out of you know other people's marriage testimonies you know people say oh you met your husband at the airport why well, do you start traveling more 
you're missing the point. <laughs> you know, I met him because I was on assignment doing something else. I met him along the way. I was already doing the work of the Lord. I just happened to meet my husband along the way. And I think that's where people miss it. It's they hear certain testimonies and they feel like they got to change their whole entire lives in order to be in the right place at the right time to meet somebody. That's not always what God is trying to do. Sometimes he's just trying to get you to see like you see if you continue to do my work, if you continue to serve, if you continue to go out, if you continue to post online, if you continue to do whatever, I can put you in a position to be seen by the person that you need to be seen by. And so, um, seen by? Yes. I can put you in a position to be seen by the person that you need to be seen by. Um, so I don't write off dating apps or social media um, connection automatically because I do see where God can use it. But I would just say, like I mentioned, just to be careful that you don't make an idol out of it, that you are actually using wisdom and you have to be led by the spirit in everything that you do. Because what if I, you know, went to South Africa, but God didn't tell me to go. And I didn't see my husband in the airport. Um, you know, just, just saying that out loud, there was two, there was another occasion to have the opportunity to go to South Africa that I didn't get a chance to go on. I didn't get to go on that first trip because I had just started a new job. And I was really disappointed about not being able to go the first time, like very, very disappointed. But then I took that disappointment to God and I said, you know what, God, if this isn't the time for me to go, you obviously have something better for me later and I will have another opportunity to go. And when that opportunity comes, I pray you have me in a position to where nothing will be able to hinder me from going. What if I went the first time but didn't go the second time? So our God is very strategic about that. And so, you know, us meeting in the airport was by his design and his timing you meeting somebody in an app could be by his design and his timing for a testimony of, you know, not putting limitation. So you just never know. But um, I am, I personally am very traditional in the sense of meeting. I believe that unless there is just some type of warfare restriction, I am just very old school in meeting people because of my personal experience. But technically, you could say, though I face to face with my husband in the airport, I really didn't meet him until I messaged him through Facebook. That was an outlet that I was able to use to interact with him. So I did both in, in a sense. Um, I saw him in person first before I actually knew who he was online. So it can happen and God can use a means for it to make it happen. But again, I think you just have to be very careful and that you don't turn it into something that he never intended it for it to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like how you said that God can position you in a place to be seen. I think that's how you said it. Yes, he can put you in that position. Um, and I think that is the most important part is that whether it's a dating app, like you said, or in person, or you just bump into someone at the bookstore. I have this whole um, little fantasy in my head of like this coming of age Netflix rom-com of me like being in a coffee shop. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, wherever you are or whatever it is you're doing, when you are so focused on God, so many surprises come along the way that you would have never, looking back, you would have never expected it to work out that way. So I hope through all of this, listeners that you take away that one don't put limitations on god or yourself and to be open to doing what god wants to do and not having his plans as an afterthought um, to your own now as we wrap up if there could be just one piece of advice that you could quickly give to christians that are weary of finding their mate outside of the four walls of the church what would you say if they didn't hear anything else from the past 45 ish minutes what would you say to wrap up be open to it. That would be that would be my advice because um, I never thought that I would meet my husband in the church. Not even gonna lie, and I'm glad that I didn't. And I think you know there is a beauty in being able to meet your spouse in church. Don't get me wrong. I've seen you know beautiful couples who they're born and raised in church, got married, all that. 
cute story. But I think sometimes when you meet somebody that is outside of your church, it presents you the opportunity to look at things in a different way. Um, Sometimes you can go to the same church and get comfortable and be familiarized in the setting that you're in. But when you meet somebody from the outside who can come in with fresh revelation or show you an example of Christ or show you the word in a different way, that can change your whole perspective. And you never know that person that you're marrying may be the reason why God takes you out of where you're at. I think sometimes, you know, people like myself, when we were single, we we didn't want to be in our hometown. You know, Um, we didn't want to go back home. We didn't want to stay there forever. Um, I don't I don't ever think that I will be that person to just be in one place for the rest of my life. I, I was born into military life. You know, I live this life now. So but I always thought it was going to be at my own hands. I always thought it was going to be because of a career or, you know, ministry. But God did it through my marriage. And now I have the career ministry thing going on, but it's just in, you know, with my marriage in a different way. And so that could be your way that God takes you global. Um, Sometimes we think about going into the world, preaching the gospel, and you think, oh, well, I only get to do the outreach or only get to, you know, serve at church. You might get married and move to Alaska or China or Europe somewhere. And God's like, okay, now you're in the world. Go share the gospel. And I've had to do that. And so... Be open to being outside of the four walls of the church because God is not limited by the four walls of the church in anything. And he's definitely not limited by marriage. So be open to whatever God has for you outside of the four walls, whether it's a career, whether it's ministry opportunities, whether it's marriage. God can do so much more with you and your flexibility to say, use me here, use me there. than he can if you say, well, God can only do it here. Absolutely. Beautifully said. And again, thank you so much for sitting still with me, for chatting with me. It's been a really great conversation. And I I know that listeners will take away so much from what you've said. Before we go, where can we find your wives waging war online? Uh, Where can they follow your work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can follow me at www.fakaridickerson.com. And that's spelled V as in Victor, A-C-A-R-I and dickerson.com i also have wiveswagingwar.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and in signing up for our newsletter you will receive information on our facebook group which contains pretty much everything that we're doing right now we also have instagram so my insta all my social medias are my first and last name and the instagram for wives waging war is wives waging war so um easy to find three words and we look forward to having you Awesome. Thank you so much again. And thank you listeners for tuning in and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sit Still with Sierra. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or some other podcast listening platform, your support means the world. Make sure to share this episode with a friend or two and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.